Welcome to Heart of the Enneagram. I'm Chris Copeland. And I'm Sandra Smith. And we invite you to take a courageous and loving look at what is. in which each of the types sort of think I'm worthy if, right? Uh, what's my, my worthiness is based on certain things. And we think of this as like the things that are actually false. They're not quite what actually gives us a sense of worthiness. There's something else there. Welcome back to Asheville. Hi, Sandra. So good to be back with you. Yeah, here we are engaging this last episode of season four. Yeah, this is the season where we've been exploring myths and questions of the Enneagram. And we've been looking at different myths that folks believe about the Enneagram and trying to bring some light to those. Yes. And we've also been engaging questions from our listeners. It's been a lot of fun hearing their questions and taking some time to respond to them. It has. And... One of our listeners, Nancy, has a particular question around issues such as shame and worthiness. And uh, let's listen to her question. Hi, Chris. This is Nancy Weens from San Rafael, California. I use a lot of Enneagram work in my spiritual direction and coaching practice. And I also use a great deal of reference to Brene Brown's work on wholeheartedness. What I'm curious about is if you and Sandra have seen any patterns that correspond to her awareness of the paradigms of scarcity and shame, in particular um, people who lead with certain numbers, and also the converse of that, greater senses of belonging and worthiness um, that support wholeheartedness. Just curious about the intersection of Enneagram and the narrative tradition and this focus on wholeheartedness that Brene Brown is so beautifully leading the the country in right now. Thanks so much for the creativity that you both are bringing to this. Thanks, Nancy, for that great question. Uh, This beautiful intersection of the work that Brene Brown is doing and the work that the Enneagram is doing. And, you know, there were a couple of of, uh, terms in there that you used that uh, struck me and we want to play with. And this sort of worthiness is one of those and also scarcity. Right. You know, in the Enneagram, each type has something that we, we really are grasping for or holding on to. It's part of the automatic pattern or trance of each of the nine Enneagram types. So scarcity um, kind of is in the, the subconscious or unconscious creating that, that grasping. Mm-hmm. And so if I lead with type one, you know, there's just not enough rightness in the world. Right, right. Not enough rightness. Uh, and, and, you know, if I'm a nine, there's not enough harmony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or as an eight, maybe not enough control right. in a given situation. So particular types do have a grasping or a sense of scarcity they are, that they are sensitive to. And for five, there's a scarcity of, of time or resources, mm-hmm. energy in particular. Yes. And so like, I don't have enough of that. So there's a grasping for that. Right. And for six, it would be probably security. Mm-hmm. Not enough security. Yep. Let's make the world safer. Yeah. 
Mm. You know, and for seven, um, there's not enough adventure or not enough options. Yeah, or, yeah. options or possibilities. Yeah. And so I'm going to go and grab as many as I can. And for our, our precious threes, probably not enough successes. Mm-hmm. Can't get enough Always su- accomplishments. searching for more. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, what is he for four? You know, we tend to grasp at uh, what? An emotional high or low? Yeah, there's not think? enough emotional high or emotional drama or mm-hmm. emotional intensity. You know, and for twos, the, the juice or the, the real hit is affirmation. The grasping for affirmation uh, really perks up a two. Mm-hmm. So it's in that grasping that each of these types we talk about is there's belief in some sort of scarcity. And so this beautiful work of the Enneagram is learning to turn that constriction into openness, into relaxing, yes. into, you know, um, yeah, the open heart as we often talk about. So the other word that Nancy talked about is this idea of worthiness and shame, which is really powerful words. Um, you know, and sometimes we talk about, Sandra, um, how shame can be one of the emotional experiences of hard types. But as we all know, of course, all of us can deal with shame in different varied ways, just like all of us have scarcity in different That's ways. Right. And of course, they're all connected. So this worthiness, if I'm not worthy, then there's going to be some shame that comes up no matter our type. That's right. So we, you know, one of the things we, when thinking about Sandra is this idea of um, sort of false worthiness, you know, this little ways in which each of the types sort of think I'm worthy if, right? Uh, What's my, my worthiness is based on certain things. Right. And we think of this as like the things that are actually false. They're not quite what actually gives us a sense of worthiness. There's something else there. So it'd be fun to talk about what those are, those false worthiness of each of the types. Yeah, let's do, Chris. And and uh, I would say that these are kind of coping strategies, mm-hmm. kind of short-term solutions that really don't get us where, where we want to grow or yeah, to be healthy. That's right. But we have some sort of... Uh, almost a little hit we get. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of it's like, true. oh, I, I feel worthy if this is the case. Yeah. So for like type one. You know, those ones just can't get enough of making a good contribution. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a one and I can really make that contribution, um, I can feel worthy. Yeah, and for the two, you know, if others are dependent on me, oh my goodness, that makes the two feel so worthy. Yeah, like, they're oh, needed. Oh, my worth is based on the fact that others need me or depend on me. And for type three... Um, accomplishing to impress others through accomplishment, then, then I feel a sense of worthiness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for fours, this sense of feeling special that Mm. if I'm special or if I perceive myself as special, then I feel worthy. And there's a sense of like, I'm a little different and special and, and therefore I have a sense of worth because of that. And fives, the sense of worthiness seems to be, uh, built on how much information and knowledge, what do I know? Yeah. Uh, and for sixes, this this idea of if I'm connected, and, and part of that is because there's a sense of security that comes with connection. And so if I know that I'm connected, then I feel worthy. And again, it's a false sense of worthiness, but it's but it, it, it feels real in the moment for it sure. It does, yes. And type seven finds a sense of worthiness in the new adventure or the new learning, uh, anything new give sevens that hit of worthiness. Mm -hmm. And for eights, 
that worthiness is based in having impact. Oh, you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> what is the impact I have in the world, in my community, in my people? That's really a sense of I'm worthy if I have impact. Yeah. And then for nine, uh, worthiness can hinge on being calm and accepting, having others see me as calm and accepting. Mm. If I can be that, then I feel good about me. Yeah. And as we talked about, these are, these are falls. They are certainly ones each of us engage in as a way to have a sense of worthiness. The question that I have to ask myself as an eight uh, who finds worthiness in the impact I make is who am I without making an impact? Exactly. And who am I without being special? Right. If we can answer that, that will help us grow ourselves. Yep. Because we're much more than that. Absolutely. And our worthiness, I mean, for all of us, is simply our beingness. Because That's right. worthiness isn't on the table. It's just we are worthy because we are. That's right. We, we are, are sometimes in theological language, Sandra, I might talk about that because we are beloved, because we are part of the divine, mm -hmm. that we are, we are worthy. Mm -hmm. Just we forget that, of course, and this is why we engage in some of these adaptive ways of being in order to get a taste of mm -hmm. that worthiness. But our work really is coming back to knowing that deep truth that we are worthy just because we are. Right. And the more we, we rely on this false sense of worthiness, uh, the more we limit ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're trapped. That's right. And our work in the Enneagram really is to, as we've named many times in the beautiful story that you've told uh, of the key, right? We, ah. This freedom and this not being trapped. We're not in the cage. We're mm -hmm. in the business of scattering keys. Mm -hmm. And so this is a key to opening the heart. It's a key to opening the cage. It's a key to not be trapped. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the work we're doing. So this, our true worthiness really then comes from the open heart, as you've named. And we talk about this in our companion book, Heart of the Enneagram. Yes. On one of the resource pages in the back of that book, we name certain uh, ways to have an open heart for each of the nine types. And I would think that um, this might compare to Brene Brown's wholeheartedness, but the way we name it is through an open heart. Mm-hmm. And shall we, shall we name those for each of the types, Chris? Let's do it. Okay. How about one? Uh, so for one, that, that worthiness comes, that uh, wholeheartedness comes when I can know and find that grace-filled heart. Non-judging presence. Those ones have it, this acceptance. Mm -hmm. And for the two, you know, it's the receptive heart when I'm able to receive from others and kind of interrupt that. Uh, tendency to be giving, but also can receive. Mm. And for three, it's the the authentic heart, no longer performing, but simply having my being be impressive enough. Mm -hmm. Beautifully yeah. said. Yeah. Yeah. And for the four, it's the grateful heart. You know, it's having gratitude for what is what is right here in the present, um, and gratefulness just for being which is a way of really opening and resting in that. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. For type five, the generous heart. So in this space, fives are practicing an open-handed response to life and the understanding that there is more than enough. Mm -hmm. And the courageous heart for the six, which says, you know, I can step out. And without knowing, without even in the midst of uncertainty or unknowing that I can am held, 
that I can trust, that I can step out in courage, and, uh, and all will be well. And so for seven, we've named the quiet heart as an open-hearted response. In the quiet heart, reverence comes, and there's no need to grasp for another option or move on to the next. Mm. The real freedom I'm seeking is right here. Mm-hmm. And, of course, for those with my type, type eight, it's the tender heart. And that's, that's when we can keep our heart open no matter what mm. and allow ourselves to be, to be touched by others. Mm. Beautiful. And the alive heart is what happens in the nine where the nine knows without a doubt that she is seen, that she is important, that she is valued, and what, it, what she desires and what she wants is of, of importance. So then she lives this aliveness, awakened to self. That's exciting. It is. It really is. And all of these nine different ways that we come to the open heart, the ways that we can really know our true worthiness. Yeah. And isn't it just life's joke on us that the very thing we're grasping for is the thing that denies us the open heart. That is so uh, true. It yeah. Is, I often will say, Sandra, is how does each type contribute to creating the thing it most doesn't want? That's right. the negative way of saying that, uh-huh. right? Yes. What you're saying, but how do we grasp in a way that keeps us from getting the true freedom we really want? Right. And the grasping, the more we grasp, the more scarcity there is. Yeah. Another way to say it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, our... Our hope and our desire is that each person who hears this podcast and beyond knows this worthiness that is innate in them and can claim this open heart in these nine different ways. And, you know, in claiming the open heart in those ways, Chris, we, I believe we come into balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we settle into a presence. We're in our bodies, and there's a balanced life. And we have more energy for relationships then. It is a way that we live our fullest selves. Mm-hmm. We live who we are created to be in this world, um, not caught up in some of the trappings and the habits uh, of personality, but living this freedom. In wakefulness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, fearless, knowing abundance, knowing that we belong and are a part and connected to a seamless web of life. That we are ultimately worthy. yeah well what a wonderful um season this has been sandra again thanks for four seasons hard to imagine Uh, that we've been doing this podcast what a treat it's been to do that with you certainly has great guests good conversations Mm -hmm. so with heartfelt gratitude i'm chris and i'm sandra and we invite you to continue to take a courageous and loving look at what is We want to thank all who've made this podcast a reality, including Wake Forest University School of Divinity for their financial and institutional support. For Sally Ann Morris, who composed our theme music, and for Toby Becker, who provided graphic design. Thanks to Eric Merle for his editing expertise, to Tom and Lynn Berner, who provided recording space, and to the narrative Enneagram and our mentors, Helen Palmer and Dr. David Daniels, its founders. And special thanks to all of our guests. We offer this podcast as a free resource for personal and spiritual growth. And in order to continue this work, we need your support. 
please visit our website, heartoftheenneagram.com, to make a contribution and to purchase our companion book. In the days that lie ahead, may your mind be curious, your heart courageous, and your presence compassionate.